Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Uh, a lot of you know, and I'll put it out there, I put it out there plenty of times, but a lot of you know, I'm, if you're like walking down a dark alley, I'm not a super intimidating person. Um, you wouldn't be super scared coming up to me. You'd be like, oh, little guy. Um, now I've got this really cool mustache that I think is, is bringing up the intimidation factor. Some of you are like, where is it? So I had a beard going last week, and then, so our cross-country coaches were like, head coach, he's like, hey, we're going to all have ugly mustaches. He didn't call them ugly, but I, I think they're ugly. Ugly mustaches for sectionals race. Um, so I, I, being a good team guy, I, I played along with it. I had handlebar mustache yesterday with ugly sideburns. Well, both teams made to state. So there is something in, in the mustache, I think. Um, but now we've got to keep these mustaches because we've got state next week. And so, uh, but yeah, I think it's, I look in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, the intimidation factor's gone up. I like it. Looking good. Even though it's got to, it's got to leave by next Sunday. But deep down, you guys know, I've said this before, like, I, I always think that I'm, I'm tougher than I am. So my mouth runs. It runs a lot. Um, and most of the time, uh, nobody calls me on the bluff. Because I'm telling you, when I'm talking tough, it's a bluff every time. There's one time at summer Bible camp. So uh, you guys know I take, I take our middle schoolers and high schoolers to summer Bible camp in Wapaka uh, every summer. And before we moved here, I was serving as the rec director at the camp the two weeks I would take kids. And so I would be talking to kids uh, from the stage. Uh, I would be uh, talking to counselors before, before the, the stuff would get going during the day. Hey, here's what's happening today. One day while I was talking to all the counselors, the speaker that week was a buddy of mine from, from college named Terrence. And I found out that week that he was second in state in wrestling when he was in high school. And so doing what I do, I started talking tough to him. I was like, you ain't nothing. You, can't, you couldn't take me if you tried. Figuring that he would know I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm bluffing. Don't come after me. Well, one day... One morning he came after me. I actually got video, uh, video footage of this, if we're going to see it here. So I'm on the bottom right now. He got me down in like three seconds. Everybody's cheering. I got mad. I hit the floor. Walking away, and somebody's like, rematch. And I heard it, so I came after him. And it didn't go very well. Gets me down again. And then this is a, actually super embarrassing. He just lifts me up like I ain't nothing. Could have killed me right there. Yeah. And see, here's how I know I got bad friends. Everybody's cheering. Like, what you cheering for? That guy just about killed me. Either I need better friends or I need to stop talking altogether. Um... So yeah, I think I'm stronger than I am, and this guy, he humbled me that day. Uh, but I think a lot of us, we think we're stronger. We think that we're, we're a little bit more capable in certain areas than we actually are. I think that's a human trait. We see ourselves as the hero in the story a lot of the time. I, 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 talking with people sometimes, they'll talk to me uh, about things in their life as though they think I was there, and I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. There's like this self-centered thing that we have in us that 
we think we're, everybody's watching us like we're the Truman Show. Like we're the center of everything. And sometimes that happens when we read scripture. Um, and so today we're, we were going to be looking at a, at a passage in the book of Colossians. And we're in this, this series called Central Strong, talking about uh, ways that, that the church is meant to be strong and how we're, we're meant to be strong as individuals in Christ. Um, and today what we're talking about is our strong Jesus. And this, this passage in Colossians, it was, it was a great passage for talking about a strong Jesus. But then I looked ahead at, at our series that we're doing in January, and we were going to be going out of the exact same passage about three months from now. And I'm like, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do two good messages, probably not even one good message out of that passage. So let's, let's do something different. And I got to thinking, okay, what's, a, what's a, a story, a passage in Scripture that shows us our strong Jesus? It just so happened that this week at Kids Midweek, we did the story of David and Goliath. I love the story of David and Goliath. And I got to thinking, I'm like, I think, I think that's where we should go. And the truth is, is we've been in the New Testament a lot here lately at Central. So much so that somebody came up a few weeks back and he was like, hey, Kellen, do we, do we ever preach the Old Testament? And I was kind of taken aback. I'm like, of course we preach the Old Testament. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, oh my goodness, we haven't in a long time. Um, a, a few years back, we did a series, the Jesus Storybook Bible, did a ton in the Old Testament there. We actually did this series, this, uh, this story, the David and Goliath story back then, but it's been about three years, and half of our church is new since then. So I figure, okay, let's, I'm not going to preach the exact same thing I did three years ago, but let's go to this story, because here's what I want you to know. The Old Testament is not just a random group of stories about heroic people. The Old Testament continually points forward to the person of Jesus. That's what everything in the Bible is about. It, it is pointing us to who Jesus is. And you might say, okay, if we're talking about a strong Jesus today, why are we going into the book of, well, 1 Samuel, the story of David and Goliath? Jesus isn't even in that story. I don't want to give it all away what I'm going to go to, but I believe Jesus is in this story. And the story of David and Goliath, it's no different than the rest of Scripture. It isn't a story that's meant to show us just David as a person. It is meant to point us to who Jesus is. And so we're going to go through this story a little bit. It's going to take a little bit more time than maybe most of our Bible stuff does typically. Um, So it means that my teaching part might be a little bit less. But let's actually really dig into what this story is and see how it shows us Jesus as being strong. So we start off in 1 Samuel 17. It says, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah. And drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. And a champion named Goliath who was from Gath came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. And you can see there, I put up there, that's about nine feet nine inches. That seems crazy, right? Uh, Nine feet nine inches, that's the height of a basketball hoop. It's the height of the crossbar on a field goal post. It's like three inches less, but it's essentially, okay? Don't ask me how a guy got to be nine feet nine inches, but that's what it says. Now we go on. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. All right, so this 
tall dude is putting the fear of God into this Israelite army. For 40 days, they've been standing up on a hill. Goliath comes into this, to this valley and shouts up a bit. And they just stay up on the hill. They can't, they can't get themselves to come down and to fight this dude. And now David's three older brothers, he's a part of that Israelite army. And they're, they're, at, they're at war. They're standing there like cowards. And David is back home because he's one of the youngest ones. And he's tending to the flock of sheep that he always does as a shepherd. But one day his dad pulls him aside and he says, Hey, David, I want you to go take some grain, some bread, some cheese to your brothers. Here's the thing. I love how detailed that is because the detail in that shows us that there's probably a lot of truth in what this story is. So his dad's saying, you got to go take all this food to your brothers. They're probably hungry. So David goes to his brothers and he sees them up on this hill and he actually breaks through the ranks to get up towards where his brothers are because he wants to see how they're actually doing. And at that time, Goliath comes out and he makes one of his challenges, his daily challenge to the, the Israelite army. And David starts asking questions. It says that David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? He sounds like me when I was talking to Terrence a little bit. Like just this little guy spouting off his mouth. And what they tell him is, they say, hey David, the king is going to give his daughter in marriage to the guy who can defeat him. He's going he's to give him great wealth. He's gonna, that person's never going to have to pay taxes ever again. And at that point, that's when Dave was like, I'm in. Never have to pay taxes? Yes. Let me take the guy. His brother Eliab got really mad. He, he heard that David was going around asking questions, and he was getting mad at David. Well, it got, it got all the way to Saul that this young boy was in the camp, and he was asking questions about, about this Goliath and who was going to take him out. And so Saul then summons David to him. And David gets really gutsy. It says this, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. You can all imagine what Saul was thinking and, and the face that he made probably at this point. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. Now I forgot to look up what they think David's age probably was, but based on everything that we know, I'm guessing he was probably like a 15-year-old boy at this point. He's a young dude. But David says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. I still don't know why Saul agreed to this. Like, that's one thing I can't figure out. I don't know if it was God changing something in his mind or what. But he changes his mind and, and he, he gives all of his war gear to David. He's putting it on and the stuff's too heavy. David can't even walk. He's just a little dude. And all David does is he goes and he walks down to the stream. And he finds five little pebbles, nicely shaped, to be able to put into his sling. 
And he takes that down. He walks down into the valley, and he goes to meet Goliath. I'm, t- I'm telling you, the guts this dude has it still astounds me when I think about it. And Goliath, as he sees him coming down the valley, he laughs at David. And he says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give, you, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty and the God of the armies of Israel, whom, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. That's gutsy. I love this guy. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward him, toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. With a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. I'm telling you, there's a lot of that story that you don't say when you're talking the story out to kids. The part, actually probably the part that even more so. After this, it got even awesomer. He went and he took Goliath's sword and he cut off his head. He took his head and he walked it with it to Jerusalem. Like, what are you doing, David? That's a crazy story. But what's really cool, too, is you see this. It also says that after that happened, the Philistines ran away. And then all of a sudden, there was courage in the Israelite army and they chased after the Philistine army. Hmm. We'll probably get back to that at some point. Okay, so before we go any further, I want to ask you this. Who do you identify most with in this story? Who is the one that you identify with? Some of you, there might be a couple of you in here who you're, you're kind of big, you were tall, you were a little bit of a bully growing up, and you're like, I'm Goliath. If you're thinking that, you died in the story. Just like every bully should get beaten up at some point. Or like, no, you picked the wrong person to identify with, Okay. But if we're being honest, most of us, we at least want to identify with David. David's the hero in the story. David fits our hero complexes that most of us have. For a lot of us, especially guys like me who have little man syndrome, where we're just mad all the time, we, uh, we love this story because we look at it and we're like, yes, the little guy can come out on top. You know, you take a little bit of courage, you take a, a difficult situation, Take a little bit of, maybe a little bit of God working in the situation, and, and all of a sudden you've got this hero. There's something in the story of David here that all of us, like, we want that for us. We like the story of David because we like the idea of becoming a hero just like David. But if all you get out of this story is that God can make you courageous and strong, then I think that we're missing the most important part of the story. Do I believe that God can make you courageous? For sure. Do I believe that God can give you strength to do things that are beyond what your human limitations probably would say? Yes, I do believe that. But in all seriousness, Goliath, Goliath was outgunned in this. He was using old kind of war style. Goliath could do nothing more. He was trained in doing nothing more probably than a, a spear and hand-to-hand combat. But then you got David who... This dude is trained in, trained in some other kind of warfare. He's got a different kind of weaponry. 
He's got a sling and stones that he doesn't have to go up to a guy and do hand-to-hand combat with. This is a different situation. And David had, even though he was a really young dude, he had years of experience in developing this pinpoint accuracy with this sling and with these stones. He practiced every day while he was sitting out in the field and he was bored. He would take his sling and he would find a tree and he would, he would put a target on it and he, would, and he would just keep on target after target after target to the point that he could get exactly where he wanted to almost every time. There was a different kind of weaponry. This story really isn't about God making a poor, defenseless little boy strong and courageous in face of a mighty giant. We like to think that's the story because deep down, we know we're poor and defenseless. We like to think that God can, can make me into absolutely anything that he wants me to be. That I, can, that, that I can do whatever I need to do. That I can be the answer to all of my problems. That's why we like being David in this story. Because David answered the problems. He became the answer. I want to become the answer. This story is actually meant to show us that we can't always be the answer to all of our problems. The story is meant to show us that sometimes it takes somebody else to come in and to be the one to give us victory. So, who is it that we really should identify ourselves with in this story? Maybe you've figured it out already. There's really only one other group of people in this story. We are the scared Israelite army who's being paralyzed with fear in the face of what we know deep down we can't do on our own. If you've never seen yourself as as anybody but David in this story, I want to just challenge you this morning. Look at yourself as as the Israelite army for a little bit. Again, you think about this. The Israelite army, they were trained in the same kind of warfare that Goliath was. They were trained in in hand-to-hand combat that was close combat. Now, if that's how you're trained and you're seeing Goliath down there nine feet, nine inches tall, ain't no way you're going down there. I, I hate it when people, I, when I'm, I'm pretending to fight with people and they just stick their hand out and it goes on my forehead and I can't reach them. <laughs> like that's, that's the way David would have been with Goliath right here. I just, come on Goliath. And he had just been laughing. This army needed a different kind of person that was trained in something different to fight Goliath. It's why they needed David, but it's why they also thought David was crazy. Because here's the thing. They had never seen another kind of combat. This army was, they needed a different kind of training. A person with a different kind of training. With different capabilities than what they had. And here's the truth. The truth is that I doubt that all of those guys up on that, on that hill were cowards. I think, I mean, these guys, these guys were, were probably warriors. But I think what they were is they were realists. You know, I think a realist, um, I remember a time back when I was in college playing basketball. I played one year at my Bible school. And there was one day our coach was running us like crazy at the end of practice. There's this one drill where maybe you know what a grinder is. Like free throw line and back, half court back, free throw line back, full court back. And then on top of it, it was five and a half full lengths of the court. And he was making us do it in, I think, under a minute 12 or a minute and 15 seconds. And I'm telling you, if you've ever tried to do it, it's really, really hard. Um, And so myself and maybe three other guys, the first time that we did it, we got under the time that coach wanted us to be under. And so he's like, again, did it again. And it was like me and another guy, we got under the time and nobody else did. 
again and kept on doing this. And he's like, you're going to do this until you all get under the time. And finally, after about, I don't know, like the, it felt like the 1,000th time we've done this, one of my teammates, a guy named Rick, gets, he, finishes, he finishes it, and coach goes, again. And Rick is like, coach, we can't do it. And coach, coach is getting mad now. He's like, what? What do you tell me you can't do? You can do anything. Rick just looks at me. He's like, coach, man, I'm just being a realist. We can't do this. And I, I think I laughed because it was really awesome. And actually something sparked in coach because I, I don't think he made us do it anymore. I think he just wanted somebody to be real, okay? And I think that these Israelite army guys, I think that they were just being realists. Like, we can't do this. Not one of us can go down and fight Goliath and have it work out well. We make the mistake all too often in thinking that the Bible is a story that is meant to tell us how amazing we can be. You know, these Israelite guys, if they really, if they really were following God and trusting in God, they would have been able to go, no, they were being realists. They would have lost. They didn't have the training. They needed somebody else to come in there. And a lot of times we think as Christians, like, the Bible's supposed to tell me like, how awesome I'm supposed to be able to become. And so then when we don't, when we don't become that, Shame sets in and, and despair sets in and doubt sets in. See, the primary purpose of God's word is not to show you how to become better. It's to show you how Jesus is always the better answer than we are. It's really important that we understand that. Because there's going to be days, every single one of us, where we're not going to become better. Notice when the Israelites actually got courageous. I want you to re remember when they actually got courageous in this story. I said it at the very end. It was when they saw Jesus, David, step in and he did for them what they couldn't do themselves. Likewise, Jesus, in his sacrifice, he does something for us that we can't do ourselves. We will never be able to be our own rescuers. When it comes to our sin, we will never be our rescuer. And we're never going to have that courage and that strength in this life that we're called to have until we start to see that Jesus came in and did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That his act of sacrifice on the cross gives me the perfection that I can't, I can't bring to myself. It has to come through Jesus. When Christians walk around identifying themselves as a David rather than as one of the, these cowardly, supposedly cowardly army guys, we actually can become really awful representations of Jesus. When there's even a hint of spiritual pride that, you know, hey, my religion makes me better than the person next to me. When there's even a hint of that, uh, man, we really, we really do a lot of disservice to what the gospel, the good news of Jesus is all about. But when, when we have a real relationship with Jesus, we start to see that his goodness far outweighs any goodness that I have in myself. In fact, we start to see that I don't have really any goodness in myself, that I have to get it all from him. You know, I'm lucky uh, to have a relationship in my life, and I, I talk about this a lot. Uh, somebody who it just is way better at being nice to people than I am. I would never claim, and my wife would never claim that she's perfect, but she is just better at being kind to people. And what happens is I tend to see in her kindness that I don't always live out myself, and it, it helps me to start to learn what it means to live out kindness a little bit better. That relationship where we can start to see something better than ourselves, it helps to change us a little bit. 
But sometimes I get, I get insecure. And when I, when I feel like I haven't treated people well, I, I've actually, in my own brain, I've said this before. Well, I can't be so bad because Crystal married me and she's like the nicest person I know. And that's twisted, right? But we do that as Christians. Well, I got to be okay because I follow Jesus. And, and so I, gotta, I, gotta, I must be pretty okay, right? The way that I deal with people, the way I treat people, the way that I, 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 must be, I must be pretty far along. Just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that you have figured out how to live right all the time. As we, as we follow Jesus more closely, I think that does happen. But I, I, wanna, I just want to put this out there. Can we please stop thinking that we are David in this story when we read it? And can we realize that we are the cowards up on the hill who needed someone who knew what he was doing so that he could come in and rescue us? David is an example of Jesus to us. Can we stop treating people as if we have all the answers when Jesus is the one who has the answers all the time? I think we do a real disservice to the legacy of Jesus, to the gospel, to the good news that people could hear and turn their lives over to Jesus if they heard it the right way. We do a disservice to that when we make ourselves out to be the high moral ground. We're not that. Jesus is, and we need to point people to Jesus. The real life battle, the real battle in life isn't to try and become a hero. It's to admit that we are the furthest thing from being a hero. See, I'm not the moral hero. Jesus is the moral hero. I'm not the rescuing hero. Jesus is the rescuing hero. I'm not the courageous hero. Jesus is the courageous hero. I'm not the hero of kindness. Jesus is the hero of kindness. What happens is when I confuse myself in any area of like this, I actually become more like the anti-hero. If you've watched uh, superhero movies, you know there's always a villain. And really what they do is they become like this anti-hero. And if you notice, if in a lot of those movies, the anti-hero actually thinks that they are doing something good. If you're a Marvel fan, Thanos, Thanos actually thinks that he's doing something good by taking out half the population of the world. If you watch uh, Batman stuff, the Joker actually thinks that he's doing some good bringing chaos into the world, that somehow it makes... It doesn't. And so when we think of ourselves as heroes, a lot of times what happens is we can quickly become the anti-hero. But when I take the spotlight off myself and I point it onto Jesus, and I constantly point others to Jesus, that's when people can find the good news in him rather than the good news in me. I wonder how the stories went when these guys got back home. I'm going to wrap this up by just kind of talking about three different types of people that were in that army and what I think the stories might have looked like when they came home, okay? So you got the first group of guys. They come home and the stories they tell, they are the conceited spotlight hog. They come home and somehow the whole defeat of Goliath was all about them. They come home and they're telling their spouse, yeah, I mean, I, I, I told the commander right off the bat, I saw this kid named David, and I was like, that guy, that guy's got something special. You should put him out there. And then you know what? I even, I went down to the stream, and I found five rocks to give this kid. They were aerodynamically perfect. They were the only reason that David was able to, to hit Goliath with those rocks. You probably heard a person like that before, where it has nothing to do with them, but they're gaslighting everybody to make it think like uh, all the good things that just happened, it was about them. What does that look like in the life of a Christian? 
It's the Christian that no non-Christian wants to be like. It's the Christian that always has the answer. It's the Christian who forgets that grace was gifted to him or to her, and he has to forget, he has to forgive with grace like he's been forgiven. But he sees all those people out there around him as less qualified than he is. It's the Pharisee who points to themselves rather than pointing to Jesus. See, this Christian doesn't so much point people to a strong Jesus, but rather tries to point everybody to how strong they are. That is the opposite of what we should be. Then you got a second group of people, the the we did it as a team type of guy. Now this one, they they have it a little bit more uh, together. They're like, yeah, I mean, this this little guy David came in and and he was awesome, but I'll tell you what, every single one of us, he, he couldn't have done it without us backing him up, man. We, we were there, we had his back. It was good, and we, and we defeated that, that big giant. Now these people, they kind of have the story a little bit right, but it's not completely right. They, they talk about Jesus a little bit and the leadership of, they talk about David and his leadership, but what does that look like in the life of, a, of an everyday Christian? It's the Christian who gives the right story about Jesus. They maybe go to church. They, they kind of seem like they're all into Jesus, but they're not quite there. They still think that they're a lot more responsible for the good in them than somebody else, someone named Jesus. They want things and they want pleasure in life, but they aren't quite sold on the fact that Jesus is the ultimate pleasure. See, I think what happens is this Christian wants a strong existence rather than a strong Jesus. If I can live my life and it be great without Jesus being at the center, that's okay. And you got a third group of people that went home from, the, from that battle that day. And these people were the, the humble glory givers. These people, I love the story that they come home and they tell their friends and their spouses. They come home from that battle and, and they say, you know what, I was so scared. I was up on that hill and I was looking in the valley and, and I probably went to the bathroom a couple times. I was terrified. I had nothing in me. And then this little kid came along. We all laughed at him at first. We didn't think he had anything that he could give us. And then all of a sudden he walked down into that valley. I don't know how he got the courage to do what he did, but he walked down in that valley. He took this sling. I don't know how that kid learned to do what he did, but he took care of us. And that kid, I don't care if he's 12 or he's 15 or he's 92, I would follow him right now to the end of my days. That's the person who understands what Jesus has done in their life. That's the Christian who understands that the story of what David did for the Israelites is the same story of what Jesus does for you and for me. That Jesus does what I can't do for myself. I think a lot of people in that army, they might have been tempted to downplay what David did for them. I hope that I don't downplay what Jesus has done for me. I hope that none of us downplay what Jesus has done for us. I hope we make things less about ourselves and more about Jesus. Jesus came in and he defeated sin and he defeated death on our behalf. We are powerless in that fight. But what I love about it is when we see that he is the one who who won that battle for us, just like the Israelite army was able to then go and follow after the Philistines and defeat them, we now have a courage given to us because Jesus took care of what needed to be taken care of.
I hate my battle with sin. And it's a really, really hard battle. And honestly, it's something that you or I, we cannot win. But I don't have to win it because Jesus won it for me. Knowing this strong Jesus is priceless. And making this strong Jesus known to others is more valuable than anything else that we can do. That's what I want to challenge you to this morning. What are you doing to make this strong Jesus known to people? Some of us, the truth is, is that we're doing everything we can in our insecurities and in, in our difficulties in life. We are doing whatever we can to make people notice who we are. You know, you want to do really, really good in your job because you want to be noticed by people. You want, you want your yard to look better than everybody else. Everybody wants to notice it. Okay, that's my issue. It might not be your issue. But we want to be noticed. And the truth of the matter is, there is nothing that I should be desiring to be noticed about. I want to make Jesus known. If we believe that Jesus came in and he is our rescuer, just like that guy in the army who went home and he said, it was David. It was all David. And I am going to do whatever I can to follow him. I want to go out into my world this week and I want to say, you know what? It's all been Jesus. I'm going to do whatever I can to follow him. And you know what? He's worth you following too. This week, what are you going to do to make Jesus known? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.